the Insta360 Go 2, and more coming up on today's episode of the latest in tech news. Gadgeteer, you're just in time for the latest episode of the world's fastest growing show on tech and gadget news. That's right, this is Lace and Tech News. My name is Taylor Merrick, and welcome back to another day of news. Um, not, not a whole lot, but uh, enough to keep you guys interested. I usually try to cover the most interesting segments, if not only latest, but also the most interesting because, um, I don't know, there's things that the news misses on its daily grind of kicking out articles. Um, and if you're not paying attention, you might miss some interesting stuff, but don't worry. I got you covered. Um, by the way, if I happen to miss anything or there's something specific you want me to keep an eye on, let me know. I am on the social media platforms, technewsgadget.net. You can contact us that way or send us an email, technewsgadget at gmail.com. But today we'll be taking a look at the Insta360's go to. It's kind of interesting. I've I've heard it's an oversized Tic Tac with an eyeball. Um, it's some sort of camera thing. We'll be taking a look at that for a feature story. We'll also be taking a look at the uh, recent changes that Apple decided to make to Apple Podcast by changing subscribe to follow. And uh, um, we'll be getting into that in a little bit. We'll also be taking a look at NFTs storming the art world, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. And finally, we'll be taking a look at the Asus ROG Phone 5 leaks in two colors and new renders and some more information on that. So with that out of the way, let's head on over to today's feature story. Okay, so Insta360, they make cameras and other stuff, um, but the GoTo is kind of their go-to action camera it's a 299 dollars action camera with a surprisingly powerful case um and <laughs> yes it, it to explain it simply um it looks like an oversized tic tac with an eyeball uh this article comes to us from the verge but at 26.5 grams and the size of, of your thumb insta 360's latest action camera the go-to looks like an oversized tic tac with an eyeball it's the second generation in the Go lineup, which is Insta360's only non-360 degree camera line, where the first generation Go left a lot to be desired, particularly in the image quality department. The $299 Go 2 comes with a new charging case, larger sensor, and improved image quality, making a strong case for a mobile-first action camera. And it looks looks uh, pretty pretty interesting here. Um, the most notable changes to this tiny camera come in a hardware department. The GoTo's housing component has a new removable lens cover and less slippery mate plastic housing. The case plays a more active role in the use of the camera, becoming a tripod, remote, external battery, and charger all in one. It is slightly larger, larger than the AirPods Pro case and has a 1 inch thread for supporting mounting and a USB-C port for charging. A standalone camera can run for 30 minutes on a single charge or 150 minutes while in the case. And while the case is not waterproof, the GoTo's camera is IPX8 water resistant for use up to 13 feet underwater. In the box, it also includes three camera mounts, being a pivot stand, a hat brim clip, and a pendant for wearing around your neck. All of these mounts utilize a magnet to keep the GoTo attached to them. Now, the use of the case is more than just a place to store the camera. It's pretty interesting innovation and to go to. All the mounts, remotes, and other accessories you have to end up buying for the action camera really add up. So it's great to see essential features such as a tripod being built in 
to the camera's hardware. And as you can see here, it actually has a little tripod stand it can sit on as well. More important than hardware, though, is image quality, which I know you're wondering about. With many smartphone cameras producing sharp, stabilized 4K 60fps video and punchy, crisp photos, it's absolutely necessary for dedicated cameras outside of our phones to up the game. The POV ultra-wide look of the GoTo's video and the unique mounting abilities allow me to create different video enough that I could see myself carrying the GoTo around in addition to my phone. According to the author, I simply cannot produce a point-of-view angle like that of the GoTo on my smartphone's camera. On the phone, the camera's 9 megapixel photos are crisp, full of contrast, and highly saturated without looking unrealistic. Put that image on desktop and it begins to look a little bit grainy where the sensor's lower megapixel count begins to show, but the image is certainly usable. It's not perfect, good enough. Although the GoTo's video resolution maxes out at 144p and 50fps, the 120 degree field of view and saturated color science creates an image far more unique than what you get from a phone's camera. When viewed on a small screen, video looks sharp and smooth with bright colors and lots of contrast. Uh, they're also impressed with just how true to life the footage looked in perfect lighting conditions, but when they brought it over to the large screen on their laptop, the footage did look a bit noisier. I also wish video taken at night had less grain and noise. The amount of smoothing applied to low-light images doesn't help either, but... Uh, yeah, they have a couple of views on it and uh, definitely impressive. They do have video samples, images for those of you interested in reading the article um, because you're probably listening to the podcast going, well, is there stuff to take a look? Yep, there is. Um, so the article goes on to explain some more stuff about how the mobile app works uh, using the touch controls um, on wireless earbuds, but it is available today starting at $299. So if you're kind of like, mobile first vlogger, avid social media user, um, posting to social media accounts on Instagram, such it might, might be, um, an interesting thing to take a look at. If you've kind of been looking for something, um, to kind of sink your teeth into that kind of, well, did the job decent enough, but you don't have too much money, but at the same time, well, take a look. Let me know what you think. All right, moving on to the next article for today. And, and by the way, if you haven't already and you're listening to this podcast in Apple Podcast, uh, if you want to get the show notes, all you have to do is swipe up. Or um, if you haven't subscribed to the show, hit the subscribe button. But it will be changing to follow soon enough. So hit the follow button. I don't think Apple really gets the difference between subscribe and follow. I think they're trying to think, oh, it's about the same. We'll just keep it the same. So I have to cover this article. Um, otherwise, if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts or um, you want to get the stuff on your computer, head on over to technewsgadget.net and there you can read all the show notes for today's articles. Uh, article goes on to say Apple will soon no longer let users subscribe to podcasts. Instead, podcast fans will follow their favorite shows. This change to Apple Podcasts will roll out with the release of iOS 14.5. However, the next iOS update beta where users can currently see the change is currently available. The switch from subscribe to follow in Apple Podcasts was first noticed by PodNews, an outlet that reports on the podcasting industry. It may seem like semantics, but it's actually a pretty important update. Edison Research, a market analysis firm, found that 47% of people who don't listen to podcasts thought it cost money to subscribe to podcasts, which is like... Mm. In a recent newsletter, Senior Vice President of Edison Research, Tom Webster, stressed that the reason for this is because of the word subscribe. That's a huge problem if nearly half of the people surveyed associate 
subscribe with paid subscription. How many people would have been listening to podcasts over the years if they knew it was free to do so? It is almost as stupid as saying, do I have to pay to subscribe to a channel on YouTube? That's my only argument. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But subscribe has been a staple of the button on Apple Podcasts and other podcasting uh, listening apps and directories since like the beginning of time or well, at least podcasting 2005, um, subscribe. I, I mean, it's not that difficult. People hit it and it's subscribed. So maybe now that it's, I, I can understand the argument both ways. Maybe now that it's kind of gotten to the stage where podcasting is trying to evolve into something bigger than itself, um, especially with Clubhouse and, and other apps coming online, kind of introducing interesting styles of like live audio, live shows, um, things of that nature. Maybe the whole subscribe thing it has people thinking, oh, do I have to pay $4.99 a month, you know, like I do on Twitch or I have to do for Hulu um, or I have to do on YouTube. But wait, I don't get the whole YouTube thing because YouTube has always had the subscribe button since the beginning of time. What's it going to be now? Follow? Um, to think that you'd have to subscribe to a podcast and pay for it is kind of unbelievable. But I, maybe maybe for it to grow Maybe more people need to be introduced to it and they need to associate subscribing with podcasting to being free. So they are trying to change it around with following. I don't know. We'll see how the numbers work out. Apple probably sees what the numbers are more than we are and they're probably not going to share them. Why would they do that? Um, so, yeah, I, I could be right. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear your arguments on this, though, uh, or discussions or questions, good, bad, or otherwise, in the comment section on this. Or you can send me an email, technewsgadget at gmail.com, or, uh, or on the social media platforms that we are on, send us a message. I'd love to continue the conversation. I know people who are both for and against it, people who are on the fence about the whole thing. I don't know. I just prefer to leave things the way they are, honestly. Um, we'll see what happens. Interestingly, Spotify already uses the word follow to describe the feature that adds your favorite podcast to your playlist. The company had also previously floated the idea of a paid podcast subscription offering, which would be separate from its Spotify premium paid music subscription service. As Pod News points out, other major podcasting platforms such as Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible all use follow instead of subscribe. After Apple officially makes the switch to follow, it seems YouTube and Google Podcasts will remain as the final giants in the podcasting industry to keep the subscribe button. Will Google eventually make the changes on those platforms too? Interesting, although subscribe has become synonymous with YouTube, the company offers so many paid uh, subscription options, YouTube Premium, YouTube TV, pay, uh, music, paid memberships for specific, well, except it says join if you want to join a specific YouTube channel. That's hard to imagine. Hasn't been confusing for at least some users. And, uh, it, well, it's clear that Apple's made a decision to switch the end, um, and uh, to end the confusion on its platform. Whoops, could have gotten a little way with the typo there, but yeah, I don't know. Interested in hearing your thoughts, and uh, well, let's head on over to the next article. All right, before we get into it, just want to let you guys know that um, if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash tech news gadget, and there you can actually subscribe to get more or join tier. See, I'm already messing it up <laughs> to actually get the videos of every show along with the show notes along with other cool community features so be sure to head on over for that and um also while you're thinking about it if you're wondering can i get something for free yeah we're heading handing out an 
Amazon gift card worth $50. I have heard feedback of people complaining about why does it have to be an Amazon gift card? Could it be something else? For right now, it's Amazon. If the winner deems it something different, it'll be different. But right now, it's a $50 Amazon gift card. If you want to win, you have until March 15th to do so. That's when the winner will be picked. For more details, look at the show notes for this episode or head on over to technewsgadget.net. Click the button to enter the giveaway today. This article comes to us from CNET. It's called NFTs are storming the art world, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. The blockchain-backed technology shines a spotlight on digital ownership. Now, this is kind of interesting. Um, NFTs, for good, bad, or otherwise, are kind of here. Might as well cover it. I did take a look into some of it. It seems interesting enough. Um, So, let's see. Artist Ryan Maloney has planned a conventional launch for his latest project, or had planned, rather, a series of collector cards called Beastly Ballers that feature cartoon creatures decked out in football gear. The new Canaan Connecticut-based illustrator was going to use a Chinese printer to package the cards. He'd then market them online and sell them for $5 for a pack of 10. Instead, Maloney skipped the physical product altogether. He listed the card images on the online marketplace OpenSeas, as NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, the digital assets that are upending the art world. Maloney had followed the rise of the te- te- bleh, technology and decided to give it a try. I can't talk. Um, as you can tell, it's really difficult to speak English sometimes. I'm thinking of just going back to grunting. Probably shouldn't do that, though. But I mean, we could. He began to rack up bids after a day or two. One card with a drawing of a Yeti named Yetta wearing a helmet and pads sold for $85. In all, he's tallied more than $700 in sales on 14 cards. For a working artist, it's a meaningful haul and more than he would have made going the traditional route. Artists are always looking for ways to make money off of their work. Maloney says once the word got out on crypto art, the gold rush really began. The gold rush for NFTs essentially cryptological certificates of authenticity is well underway. On Thursday, Christie's, the 255-year-old British auction house, will close the sale of its first-ever digital-only art piece with a composite of 5,000 pieces created over as many days by the artist's people. The final price tag is sure to be eye-popping. As of this writing, bidding stands at $9.75 million. As Maloney's story highlights, however, the implications of NFTs ripple far beyond multi-million dollar hammer prices set at fancy auction houses. You see, NFTs bring to digital art a -a one-of-a-kind or limited edition quality that's been lost in a copy-paste, post-repost world of the internet. Each work of art is associated with a proof of ownership that's recorded on a blockchain, the distributed ledgers most commonly associated with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The authentications, which can be applied to images, videos, music, and other digital files, designate the original. Copies and copies of copies might abound on the web, but only one person can lay claim to the NFT behind it, and that's kind of locked in. The technology is beginning to touch at every corner of art, entertainment, and media. In sports, a clip of LeBron James ruining a fast break sold for 100000 on Top Shot, the NBA's marketplace for highlight reels. In music, Kings of Leon last week became the first band to announce the release of an NFT album with three types of tokens that include special artwork and perk. Pop star Sean Mendez last month announced a line of digital goods in the form of NFTs and, uh, I guess, um... Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is even selling his first tweet on the platform as an NFT as well, except it, it, 
good, bad, or otherwise, it's kind of it, interesting. Um, proponents say NFTs have the potential to revolutionize the way artists at every level can sell and distribute their work. In turn, NFTs could change the way people interact with and consume art in the digital era. And it goes on to explain some more things. Um, but it's kind of interesting. So I'll leave it at that and let you guys to go research a little bit more on NFTs. It's kind of it's an interesting concept. I, I did look at it myself. Um, I understand it a li- little bit more than this article is telling you, but it's not really hard to find the information to understand what NFTs are and what to do about purchasing or, or trading or, or buying or selling um, NFTs, depending on if you're the artist or you want to own a piece of art. It's kind of interesting. It's pretty crazy. So um, have fun. And finally, we got the uh, Asus ROG Phone 5 set to offer 18 gigs of RAM. And official-looking renders show a new white color. This article comes to us from 9to5google.com. So be sure to stop on by and check that out. Actually, you can do it easily. I have a link in the show notes for you to do just that. So gaming smartphones have become a niche of their own in the smartphone industry. And that's kind of why I like personally covering gaming phones on this channel. I know it might not get covered elsewhere but uh, i find it interesting enough i like seeing how much tech you could just pack into a smartphone the asus rog phone series has consistently been among the best options and i'm usually like covering them the next generation of that device is apparently launching tomorrow but ahead of that launch official looking renders of the asus rog phone 5 have hit the web showing two color versions um not a ton has changed frankly with some minor design tweaks for example there's a mysterious red panel that has a cute glhf easter egg printed on it it means good luck have fun there's also a dot matrix style section that certainly seems like it'll be a customizable perhaps acting like what asus offers on its zephyrus g14 laptops two USB-C ports are still in use there's still a headphone jack and it is display has some decent side bezels at the top and bottom certainly a cleaner looking design for a rog phone to date Here's some more pictures, and if you're wondering, are you showing this on video? Yeah, you have to be a Patreon um, member supporter of the show. And that actually does cost money, but you'll actually be able to see the video. Hi, it's me. Um, and if you didn't, you're just on a podcast, which is fine as well. I know a lot of you in Singapore are enjoying the show, so thank you very much for tuning in from wherever you're listening to around the globe. Notably, the Asus ROG Phone 5 is set to be released in two different colors, is a first for the series to date it's only been available in black and gray but this year a white color is on its way as again um white variant looks slick especially with its blue accents and black side rail it looks nice as far as specs go the iphone or iphone huh asus rog phone 5 is all but certainly going to be using the snapdragon 888 processor surely with some insane cooling tech behind the scenes as well. Last week, to a press release, unexpectedly confirmed that this phone will be available with up to 18 gigs of RAM. That's right, 18. With most other Android flagships topping out at 8 to 12, 18 is absurd, but that seems about right for a phone literally branded Republic of Gamers. Will that amount mean anything to performance? Probably not, but uh, if you're interested in tuning in or purchasing it, details are coming out shortly. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Lace and Tech News. Thanks for tuning in. Lace and Tech News can be found on every major podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you happen to find 
podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by leaving a review and sharing this episode with a friend. Also, double check that you are subscribed or following so that you don't miss the next episode. I hate that I have to say that now. Subscribe or follow. Subscribe, follow, tune in. I'm your host, Taylor Merrick. And remember, for the latest in tech, gadget, and gaming news, visit technewsgadget.net. Pretty much keep being awesome, guys. I'll see you on the flip side.